0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Whose Crime Is It Anyway? I'll be your host this week, Lisa Magistrelli, and with me as always is my partner in true crime, Shell Morgan. Hey guys! Before <laughs> we get started, we have our next podcast review shout out. This one is from Rob Biss. It says, glad you're back. The two of you are great storytellers. You know what? What? <laughs> Is that all it said? Yes. But you, that's <laughs> all I need to hear. Thank you for sticking around. Woo. That Thank was you. a big break. That was six months. We needed it, but mm-hmm. we got our mojo back, baby.
1: Woo. Has a friend ever texted you that they were in distress and needed your help? Would you drop everything you were doing or just assume that they would sort it out themselves? Today's episode will make you want to take action a lot quicker than what happened in this case. This is the story about a 21-year-old girl whose last text was begging her friend to come and save her. She has now been missing for 18 years. This is the story of Lisa Marie Young. Take it away, girl!
0: case takes place in 2002 in Nanaimo, British Columbia, a beautiful harbor city and ferry port on the east coast of Vancouver Island. A two-hour ferry ride from Vancouver will bring you right to the shore of the city that is known for its lush forested mountains that overlook the ocean. The temperate landscape offers endless outdoor adventures and brings a lot of tourism to the area. Nanaimo is home to an ancient Salish tribe who gave the island its name which means Great and Mighty People. Lisa was a vibrant, confident, independent young woman who was very outspoken and always voiced her opinion. She genuinely cared about her friends and family and always celebrated their birthdays in a big way and made them feel so special. Hmm. So sweet. I know. Lisa was five foot four, had a slender build, and had long brown hair and brown eyes. She loved fashion, makeup, and jewelry, and really made her own style. She didn't just go along with the trends. So she wore those like stretchy, webbed choker necklaces that we used to wear oh, in like yeah. the nineties. Oh yeah, I loved those. All right, but didn't they make a comeback? Like, oh, they this totally year? did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she wore those and her friends would say that she just always looked really cool and put together i feel like i would have liked her yeah yeah we would have been friends lisa was the daughter to indigenous parents joanne and don young her grandfather moses martin is the chief of tofino and said although she was extremely close with her large extended family she hadn't spent a lot of time learning about her indigenous culture Her grandpa yeah, was the chief of Tofino? He is the chief of Tofino. Holy shit. I feel like that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And Tofino, I mean, is beautiful. It's very close to Nanaimo. Right. That's where her mother, Joanne, grew up. So most of her extended family are from Tofino. Okay. So her grandpa said that she was very much a city girl. Lisa was extremely close with her two younger brothers, always looking out for them, making sure they had their homework done and helping her mom out any way that she could. Throughout her school years, Lisa played on sports teams and volunteered at her school. She even won a contest where she won a trip to the mainland and got to fly in a helicopter. Ooh, good for her. No, and Honestly, she sounds like a star student, super involved and dedicated. Mm-hmm. But... This kind of sounds like you, Shell. What? Me? (laughs) Okay, I didn't win a trip to Vancouver to go on a helicopter ride. But side note, (laughs) Shell just told me last week she was such a teacher's pet that she was even asked to teach some of the classes. I did tell you that. Yes. I did teach the What teacher allows their student to teach the class? In grade 12.
1: Just like such a keener. Right? Yeah. I literally marked all of my classmates' papers. Some of them even tried to get me to change their grade. Oh my God. Of course. In the computer. And I said, no, sorry, bitch. I play by the
0: rules. Oh, you're so honest. I know. (laughs) Like I said, I would like Lisa. I would hang out with her. You would. (laughs) When Lisa was 17, she wasn't getting along with her mom, so she moved into a foster home with two other girls. But she was only a couple doors down from her parents, so she was still in really close touch with her parents, and it allowed her to mend her relationship with Joanne. Honestly, it just sounds like they were butting heads at the time and she just needed some space. Mm -hmm. While Lisa was at the foster home, she became very close with her foster sister, Carol Ann. Lisa was like family to Carol Ann, who was only three months younger than Lisa. When Lisa turned 19, she moved into an apartment with a couple of her girlfriends. But again, she was still very close by, literally next door to her parents. So even though she was 19 and on her own, she still popped in often and would tell her parents what her plans were and where she was off to. Lisa was very responsible and had such good communication with her parents. Sounds like she was a good daughter. Yeah, Everyone who knew Lisa said that she was very hardworking, always a quick learner, and self-efficient. She took her jobs seriously and it really paid off. She was only 21 and had already worked her way up to become the manager at McDonald's. Ayo. I know. Good for her. Eventually, she left her role at McDonald's to go work as a server at the historic Palace Hotel in Nanaimo, but one day, Lisa injured her ankle, which prevented her from being on her feet all day at the hotel. So she had a new job lined up at a call center that she was supposed to start two days after she went missing. Which takes us to Saturday, June 29th, 2002. It was the Canada Day long weekend and Lisa was going out to celebrate her friend Dallas's birthday with some friends. Lisa and Dallas had once dated for a brief time, but they still remained friends. They went to a local club called The Jungle, but the name has changed a few times over the years and now it's called Evolve. When they closed down the club at approximately 2.30 a.m., Lisa, Dallas, and a couple of her guy friends were hanging out in the parking lot, when an older guy with a red jaguar whom they had never met approached them and sparked up conversation. He was 27, making him six years older than them. Okay, that was
1: my first question, was how much older was right. he?
0: From 21 to 27, that's kind of a big jump. It's a big jump. But if he looked younger or, like,
1: cool, right? maybe it didn't seem too—it's not like he's 40,
0: yeah. at least. and I mean, apparently, it was considered pretty normal at that time in Nanaimo for young partiers to go out, and they would make friends with other groups and go to parties together— And the party scene was pretty wild. Apparently the the raves were still quite a thing. I can't even imagine a rave right now. I know.
1: It's COVID <laughs> times. Like, can you imagine being like bumping shoulders, being all sweaty around like a group
0: of people? Yeah, oh no. Oh my God. I know. We are so damaged from this. Holy shit. Yep. All right. Anyway, so sometimes they made friends with this guy and they were talking about going to a house party, but they weren't sure how they were going to get there. So the guy with the red jag offered to drive them. And he doesn't know them at this point. No, they just met. They just just met met in like sparked up conversation. Okay, what weirds me out is that he's by himself. Like, where are your friends? Yeah, what are you doing? Why are you by yourself? Just driving your car around, like going to empty parking lots and waiting for like people to leave the club. I have no idea. Sounds like a bit of a creep, in my opinion. It's kind of weird. Either way, they all agreed, and they piled into his car and went to the house party, which was apparently five or six minutes west up the road in an area called Harewood. Locals would call it Scarewood because it was said to be a really sketchy area of high crime rate and drug use. Oh, great. Yeah, Yeah, let's go to Scarewood. (laughs) No, thank you. Mm -hmm. At 3.30 a.m., they decided to go to a second house party in the Cather's Lake area, which was another seven minutes northwest. So the older guy again drove them. When they got to the party, there were people making food on the barbecue, but Lisa was a vegetarian, so she couldn't eat any of the food. So the guy from the Red Jag offered to drive her to Subway. Lisa agreed, and the two of them left the house party at around 3.45 a.m. Together. Together, just the two of them. Okay, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, I guess. I don't know. Maybe she trusted him at this point. They've been hanging out for about an hour and a bit. That's fine. Maybe she was comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so this was at 3.45 a.m. Just after four, Lisa called Dallas on his cell phone saying that the guy never took her to Subway. She doesn't know what's going on. He took them to some other house party on Bowen Road and they were just sitting in a driveway and he won't bring her back. So she's in the car when she calls Dallas? Yeah. From her cell phone? From or? her cell phone. Oh, okay. they cell phones. Yes. She said she was getting bored and was getting really pissed off and that he was starting to creep her out. She was 21. Okay. She's 21. Okay. He's 27. All right. I mean, it's
1: not like a huge age difference, but she doesn't know him. She wants to go to Subway. Hello.
0: She's hungry. Yeah, like, take me back to my fucking friends. Yeah. She's hungry. Wants some food. Yeah, like, What are we doing sitting in some fucking driveway? I don't know Ugh. what we're doing here. So Bowen Road, it's a pretty long road, so it's hard to say exactly where on that road they were. But from what I could read, it was approximately 10 minutes east of where Dallas was from where she had just left. Okay. And I did notice that there happens to be a subway on Bowen Road. Okay. So, so she probably thought that they were headed right. in he the direction was of subway. driving in that direction, so she wasn't thinking anything of it. So that was at 4 o'clock when she called. Then another 30 minutes go by and Lisa sends a text to Dallas and it says, come get me. They won't let me leave. Oh no. Yeah. Bad vibes. Bad vibes. But Dallas says that they were all way too drunk to get in a car to go get her. Call a
1: cab for her. Exactly. Or like call her and make sure she's okay. Get in a cab yourself. Exactly. I'm coming to you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But so, what he states is that he told her to get out of the car and start walking and call a cab. But apparently, because it was an older Jag with all these weird kind of buttons on the doors and stuff, she didn't know how to get out of the car, apparently. So, I don't know if that's what she said on the phone to I dallas like yeah, i don't know like like how I, to get I out i don't know this is so yeah i can't figure out how to get out of the fucking car oh
1: that makes me like i feel like in a panic too
0: if you're like nervous or anxious and yeah, your dark, just the lights aren't even on yeah, in the car maybe you couldn't out. find the door handle to get out so that was the last time anyone heard from lisa ever ever oh my god and we have audio of dallas recalling this interaction with the reporter at the time Sure enough, it's Lisa on her cell phone. I call her back. She goes, Dallas, uh, I don't know what's going on. This guy won't bring me back. We're sitting in a driveway on Bourne Road, and he won't bring me back. We're just sitting here. She's like, I'm bored. I'm getting pissed off.
1: I don't know. From that, I really trust Dallas's account he, of it. He sounds he sincere. He sounds very genuine. I'm probably sure to this day that
0: whole situation is, like, fucks him up. Well, unfortunately... Dallas tragically died. No. Yeah. He went into oncoming traffic. He had actually walked into the road off the highway and he was hit by a car. No. How long after? Oh no. It's like a long time after. A long
1: time after. But
0: that's so sad. I know. His girlfriend was with him, so
1: she saw the whole thing happen. Yeah.
0: Super, super tragic. And he did sound like a very stand-up guy who always cared about his friends and was Mm -hmm. looking out for his friends. He did go on after Lisa's disappearance to get into some trouble with the law. However, his friends will still vouch to this day that he had nothing to do with this and he was not the kind of guy. No, I don't believe that. I don't know Mm. why from that very short clip that we just listened to, but
1: he just seems really genuine. And also, you know what? You're 21 years old. You're in your early 20s. You're just figuring yourself out. Sometimes you don't expect... A friend to go missing right even when people text you like I've gotten some crazy texts in my day and you know you respond to them, but sometimes it's just traumatic or you kind right. of can chalk it up to like, Oh, nothing bad is going to happen. You don't expect anything bad right. to happen to your friend. Right.
0: She's pro- He probably just thought maybe she was just at this house party and like he was just being lazy and was like, well, go back in a bit. Just hang out for a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Who
0: knows? But either way, a lot of people have a problem with the fact that he didn't call the police. He's a kid. Time. I know. Like, I just...
1: I don't... I don't know why I feel very strongly about this, that I don't hold it against him. I don't either. He should have definitely gone, maybe called a cab, or, like, just gone there. But... Right. Honestly, he's with his friends right now. And when... They were wasted. Yeah. You're wasted. You're having fun. Like... You know, your other friend chose to leave. Like, it's just... uh, It's young
0: minds. And you might have acted differently if maybe you weren't impaired. Yeah. And you would have reacted maybe a little bit quicker. Who knows? Like, you can't... People make bad choices. Yeah, all the time. When they're under the influence. Totally. So the next morning... Lisa's parents were supposed to be helping her move out into a new apartment. This was something Lisa was really excited about, so when her parents couldn't get a hold of her at around 10.30, they just assumed that she was sleeping in from being out late. So her parents went to grab some lunch and tried calling her again, but when she still wasn't answering, that's when they got worried. They spoke with Lisa's roommate, and she said Lisa hadn't come home, and all of her belongings were still in place. Lisa's parents called the police right away, but were told that she hadn't been missing for that long. So they had to wait 24 hours. Oh, this makes me so mad. So they didn't want to fucking wait. So, no, of course not. Right? A parent
1: does not want to wait 24 hours no. when their child is missing. They know
0: what's normal for yeah. their kid. Like yeah. this is not. They like haven't Lisa. heard from her and they're scared and they want police to act. Right. According like, to them, she had never done anything like this and just ran off before. No, she's not a runaway. No. So they gathered their own search groups with friends and family as they scoured the area looking for Lisa. Our CMP came to her parents' house on Sunday night to take a statement. And then they said, Alright, well, I'm going to be off for the next four days, so I'll keep in touch. So no search efforts were... Four
1: days? Four days? Yeah, I'm sorry. A 21-year-old is
0: missing and you're not going to search for four days, right? No, so obviously that's not going to wait. So they contact the local police station on their own and they listen and they get Lisa's story in the paper and on the news. Good. Friends and family plastered posters of Lisa's face and an image of a similar-looking red jaguar All over town and into Qualicum Beach. So, did they have a suspicion? Like, did the parents know about this red jag? They apparently were told about this red jag guy. Okay. And this last. From friends, probably. Yeah, and like this last conversation that she had had with Dallas. Okay. So, one month goes by, and the police were able to locate the guy in the red jag. The man was known to police and had a record of assault, theft, fraud, and breaching court orders. Okay. Mm-hmm. What have you done with Lisa? And he just happened to be the grandson of a very wealthy and prominent realtor in the business community in Qualicum Beach, just a few minutes north of Nanaimo. Rich grandma. the grandson. Oh, he's a grandson. Yes. Oh, so this is like
1: legacy money. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So... The red jag actually belonged to the grandma.
1: Well oh, no shit.
0: <laughs> so these kids probably done nothing yeah. to afford a red jaguar in that time. So they impounded the red jag and brought the guy in for questioning. But when they searched the car, it had already been detailed spotless. Oh, fuck right off. Yeah. Of course it has.
1: It, it detailed, so it completely cleaned out. Cleaned what, no out. fucking
0: fingerprints, nothing. nothing to prove that Lisa was in his car. Nothing. Wow. When they asked the man what happened to Lisa, his story is that she was in the car, but she got out and started walking, and that was all he knew. So he is trying to say that she just walked away from the car, which sounds a lot like our last fucking episode. Bullshit, Boo shit. Yep. Oh, makes me so mad. So police decide to bring Lisa's mom, Joanne, into the station so she could confront the man herself. Oh. Yeah. They asked her to bring photos of Lisa in hopes that it would bring out the guilt in this guy. Sure. Yep. And when she asked the man what happened to her daughter, his response was, I can't. I don't mean to disrespect your family. Oh. And that was basically it. What? I can't. I can't. Well, you can't what? What do you mean you can't? I can't say anything? I don't mean to disrespect your family. It's like you know something. Oh, he for sure knows something. That's very suspicious. So they couldn't keep him in custody because they had no evidence. They couldn't get swabs from his fingernails, and he refused to take off his shirt. So, so no DNA or anything? Nothing. Like, what yeah. if he had scratches on him? Like, what if he had, like, defensive wounds all over him? Right. They would never fucking know because he wouldn't take off his shirt. They couldn't force him to? No. There was no, no evidence to be questioning him in that way. To, like, he could still voluntarily say no. Oh, right. Yeah, that's fair. Did he have a lawyer present? I think so. Probably. I'm assuming. Yeah. Because that doesn't come up in this. In this story. <sighs> so as the investigation went on, the wealthy grandmother threatened to sue for harassment if they continued to look into her grandson. And then she sold the red jag. Oh, my God. Of course she fucking did. Right. So oh, my God. Money really does equal power, hey? Yep. Just sweeping everything under the rug. So it's been said that the man who drove the red jag is now living somewhere in Japan. Okay. Yeah, no charges because there's no evidence.
1: And we have no idea where Lisa went. No fucking clue. They didn't find anything? There's like, nothing. They...
0: No trace.
1: No trace whatsoever. No like, witnesses. Just completely vanished. Right.
0: All we know is that her friends got off. A- phone call from her and a text saying that this guy won't let her leave and she did not want to be there. What? Lisa's father, Don, was contacted by a man who was a well-known criminal in the Nanaimo area. He said that he wanted to help. So what? They, right? A criminal wanted to help yeah, the family? like I know kind of the ins of the whole the whole area okay. like I feel mm. I feel like I want to help out. What's the catch? Hmm... So they met at Tim Hortons, but Don got the vibe that he wasn't really there to help. And he was fishing to see how much Don knew. And that was the last time that they interacted. And we're definitely not naming him. Okay. Yeah. No, no <laughs> names. This just seems so weird. Okay. So, like, it was this guy connected to the guy with the jag, maybe. There's a lot of rumors saying that this house was kind of a well-known drug gang house. Like a lot of bad people would hang out at this house.
1: I just don't understand why was Lisa targeted? Maybe she wasn't targeted. Maybe she was just... It was just like a crime of opportunity. She was just there and just met a terrible fate. Mm -hmm.
0: People don't believe that Lisa's alive. They don't think that she was trafficked. They don't think that she went to start a new life because she was excited to move into this new apartment and start this new job. She had really big plans for herself to go on and go back to school and become like a sports broadcaster.
1: I don't think that this is a situation where she ran away no. or she was looking to start a new life at all. She was messaging no. her friends saying that she was Come scared. get me. Come and get me. I'm scared. Yeah like she was worried they won't let me leave they 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 won't let me leave okay so can we maybe think that she sent that message when she wasn't in the car that's what i'm thinking because eventually
0: she got out of the car and went into this house yeah because it was half an hour after her first phone call where she was sitting in the driveway initially half an hour goes by roughly and she texts him because now she's not alone to make that call, maybe. And mm-hmm. she was just trying to sneakily text him, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God. So even though the majority of the community has supported the young family, there were still some low lives kicking around. Lisa's parents have received prank phone calls stating that they were, quote, moving the body right now oh my god what sick asshole does that what are you doing right it's a grieving family leave them alone so the police were able to trace the call and all they did was tell the caller to stop contacting the family so the police really did nothing in this story cool yeah. Yeah. So throughout the investigation, Joanne felt that they weren't taking her disappearance seriously enough due to the fact that they were so slow to get the ball rolling and didn't even do their own ground search of the area until September 2002, just over a month after her disappearance. A month? A month. What are you going to find right? after a month? Yeah. She was reported missing within the day. hmm she also believed that the case was not treated with more urgency due to the fact that she was Indigenous. As we discussed in the Amber Tuckerow case, Canada has a horrible history with systemic racism and discrimination towards Indigenous people, mm-hmm. particularly Indigenous women. Yep, It's an epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women in North America. The Highway of Tears is just one example of the many women who have fallen victim on the 725-kilometer stretch of highway in northern BC with zero self-service and nothing but endless tree lines. Yeah, it's so sad. It
1: is. It's just so much racial bias, and especially from the police and the system that is trying or is supposed to protect us, right? right. And then when they just disregard these types of cases because it's an indigenous girl
0: makes no sense they have they stereotype them yeah. and they think oh she's probably just out hanging out with her friends she's probably just partying she'll come back oh she's a runaway or like oh high-risk youth they Yeah, exactly. create this fucking
1: narrative and it's like it doesn't matter no. She is a 21-year-old girl who's gone missing. If this was a white, blonde, 21-year-old who went missing in Nanaimo, you can better fucking believe that the police would be searching. Oh, yeah. Not within that 24-hour window, way earlier. Right. not Right when the parents fucking after. called.
0: Yeah. So although Joanne felt that the police didn't handle the case appropriately, they have had an immense amount of coverage from local news and community support. Good. There's a Lisa Marie Young Facebook group dedicated to Lisa's memory that's very active. Since the COVID pandemic, friends have designed black face masks with the green butterfly and the words Justice for Lisa to Mm -hmm. spread more awareness. Every year for 16 years, Joanne held a march for Lisa, never giving up hope that there would someday be answers. Sadly, due to her deteriorating health, Joanne passed away in 2017, and family believed that her life was cut short due to the heartbreak over Lisa's disappearance. Ugh, so sad. Another thing is, Lisa's favorite color was lime green. Oh, wasn't that your favorite color in high school? I did love lime green. My whole room was lime green. See?
1: Honestly, we would be buddies. I know. Ugh.
0: There were so many rumors that have been buzzing around Naimo that people know who was responsible, but that no one was going to talk. Rumors have been said that it was gang-related, but no one has been charged. Without a body, it's so hard to connect the dots, especially when no one will fucking talk. For the longest time, there didn't seem to be much information available on this case until an ex-news producer from Vancouver Island started her own podcast that was dedicated purely to Lisa's case. It's called Island Crime, Where Is Lisa? The podcast has nine episodes where the host is able to speak with Lisa's friends, family members, psychics, and investigators. It really reminds me of the Tara Grinstead case Oh. from Up and Vanished. I have to listen to this. Right. I feel like now that so many people are paying attention, more witnesses and sources will be willing to speak up, maybe like Tara's case, mm-hmm. where we will find Lisa's remains one day and have those answers yeah. and bring those people who are responsible to justice. Yeah, because Lisa deserves justice. She does. And her family. Lisa's case remains open and active. I definitely encourage you guys to go listen to the Island Crime Podcast. There's so many details that we simply could not fit into this one episode. And if anyone has any information that could help this case, please consider if this was one of your loved ones. If someone was withholding information, wouldn't you want answers? Lisa and her family deserve that. You can call to Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS, or if you don't want to speak with anyone, you can send an email to whereislisayoung at outlook.com. Until then, the question still stands, whose crime is it anyway?
1: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Whose Crime Is It Anyway. You can follow us on Instagram at Whose Crime Podcast and Twitter at Whose Crime Pod. We will be back next week with a brand new case. Until then, bye. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs> fucking chopsticks.
0: I offered <laughs> you a fucking I fork. I know. <laughs> Why do people want to to struggle? Like, it's just so much easier with a fucking fork. It is easier, but there's, there's something about using chopsticks that I like. I don't like working for my food. Mm. Like, I don't like lettuce wraps because I don't like putting it together. I don't well, folding well, it all together. Yeah, yeah. What are those other ones like? They're not quesadillas, but ta- tacos. No, no tacos or <laughs> something else. I don't know. Burritos. You, no. Oh, no. fajitas! Fajitas! And they bring it out in the cast iron. Yes. Yeah,
1: and you gotta like piece
0: it all together. I hate making my food that I pay for.
1: That's fair. I yeah.
0: mean they are making you work for it for free. Yeah, so chopsticks is just like if I can't if there's rice, like no 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 no. <laughs> I like eating sushi with chopsticks because it's just like a one it's one big chunk mm-hmm. and I can pick it up easily. But like anything else, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's no, fair. No,
1: no, no. Hey, you know what? We all have our things. I'm a forker. A forker. <laughs> a, a mother forker? Um, <laughs> mother forker. <laughs>